Welcome and thanks for listening to this message from City Bridge Community Church. Our heart at City Bridge is to call all people to be fully devoted followers of Christ. To learn more about City Bridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. Now, here's the message. Well, good morning, friends. How are we doing? Good. My name's Kyle Kegler. Get to serve here at City Bridge. And I think that's two weeks in a row that a fellow elder has taken a shot at me, right? I think Rob last week picked on the gray hair and Grant today, the age. I'm like, man, with friends like that, who needs enemies? Right? I'm like, well, holy cow, what is going on? Well, hey, we are, we're in a series called Generous uh, that we're doing. And last week, uh, DeMarv did a great job of just talking about, hey, investing in the kingdom. And today, we're going to get a picture, we're going to get to take a look in the scriptures of a radically generous church. And so how do we live radically generous so that our church uh, is radically generous? And so that's kind of what we're going to do today. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 is where we're going to be. But before we go there, I want to take you back to the fall of 1999, and there was a group of eight families that were kind of thinking about, uh, not thinking about, we were ready to kind of felt like God was calling us to start a new church. And so we had been talking theology, we had been talking philosophy of ministry, we had been talking all things, but it came time, okay, for us to put our money where our mouth and our hearts were. And so we kind of got around and the guy that had some financial gifting that was in that group, he just said, okay, I'm about to pass a hat, okay? And I want you to put in there Okay, what you can do in the next week or so, and then what you can do on a monthly basis, and then we'll add it up and we'll kind of see where we are. Well, I called my buddy this week that had that, and so this is what he pulled out and sent me. So $25,000 could be given one time from those eight families, and then $3,600 a month, and that was the start, the financial start of Watermark Community Church. And so that church has gone on to have an absolutely significant influence in our city and in our nation and also in our world. And why do I tell you that? I tell you that because some people in that room might tell you that they knew exactly what was going to happen. I had no idea. And I was like, oh God, what are we doing Right, And so, but over the course of time, we were faithful with a little amount and God took that little amount and in significant ways has advanced God's kingdom um, through that church and has blessed us, which we'll talk about uh, in a little bit. And so uh, DeMarv, okay, challenged us last week to invest in God's kingdom, but I have a problem, my heart, my, my, I think y'all probably have a problem. We're gonna do this together. And that is that I really don't believe if I live in a way that's radically generous, that God's gonna take care of me. That, hey God, if I give over and above my means, which we're gonna look at today, God, that you're not gonna take care of me. So I'm gonna kind of control this area of my life to make sure that I kind of take care of myself. And so I will tell you, studying and getting ready for this has been incredibly uh, convicting for me. When I was playing baseball in college, we had a broken bat wall. And so if you're a baseball player and you're a pitcher and you break a bat, 
that's a really cool thing. It's kind of like a badge of honor, right, that you broke a hitter's bat. And so we had him kind of a, a hall of fame in our dorm room. And we used to say if we got inside and broke a bat that we, um, that we got in your kitchen is what we would say, that we did that. And so anyway, I'm afraid uh, the Lord, certainly he has in mind and he might in yours get in your kitchen today as we think about this subject of, an, of investing and being gracious with God's uh, resources. And so uh, my heart today is not to produce guilt and shame. If you walk out of here at the end of the next 30 minutes and there's guilt and shame, you just need to let that go. My heart is as we look at the scripture is that the spirit of God would encourage us or he would challenge us or he would convict us so that we would be more like him. That's the heart of what we're doing today. And if you're here and this is your first time and you're like, oh, great. First time I show up, they're talking about money, okay? <laughs> so we don't talk about money that much. And as a matter of fact, we probably ought to be talking about it more simply because of how much Jesus and the authors of scripture talk about it. It is all throughout the Old and New Testament. And so that's what we're gonna spend some time talking about today. So let's pray. Let's ask God to do his work, okay, in our lives, the things that we need to hear. And yeah, and we'll pray. Father, thank you, um, Father, for your word that just paints such a good picture of a heart that is after yours. And so would you help us to see that today? Would you help that to apply that today that we might be fully devoted and then we might be your people? And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, so let's go back real quick and let's look at last week. And so DeMarv did a great job. And I just take notes usually when other guys are teaching. And here's the six things I walked away with uh, last week from our time just to kind of set the stage for us today. So one, Earthly treasures are a bad investment and it's the number one competitor for our heart. Number two, uh, only one type of investment is eternal. That's investment in God's kingdom. Number three, the call to radical generosity is for your benefit. Okay, it's not because, hey, we need the cash, okay? It is for your benefit because it, what it does for your heart. Money never satisfies. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, the scripture says, and it's not about the amount of money that you give generously, okay, it's about your heart. And so what we're gonna do, we're gonna take what David did last week, and we're gonna move to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, 1 through 15, so pull your Bibles out if you got them. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, we've got some at the front desk, we'd love to give you one. Uh, and we're gonna look, the scripture does an amazing job of giving us a picture of what a radically generous church looks like. And so DeMarv set the, stage for us, set the stage for us last week, and now we're gonna get a picture of what that looks like. So we're gonna do that in two sections. We're gonna look at the picture of radical generosity, and we're gonna look at the motivation, okay, for radical generosity. The passage breaks up very, very nicely to do that. So let's read God's word together. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, and they did it of their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. 
They even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus to encourage your giving in the first place to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. Verse 8, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. All right, so what's going on in this passage? So Paul is writing to the Corinthians, okay? And he's saying, hey, a year or so ago, you had great intentions to kind of help with this offering that we're gonna send to the church in Jerusalem because the church in Jerusalem was being persecuted and they were hurting. And so they had intended to make a collection and send it to Jerusalem, but they hadn't followed through. And so what Paul is saying here, he's saying, hey, Corinthians, There are churches up in Macedonia. We've got a slide, a map up here that will show you. So you can see Corinth, right where it is in the middle. And then up to the north, you see the churches of Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea. Those are the Macedonian churches. And he's saying, hey, these guys are doing exactly what we need you to finish. Corinthians, what you started and had good intentions for, we need you to finish just like the, the Macedonian. So it was really an admonishment to the Corinthian church. And so Paul's trying to help them get motivated through that. And so if you remember the passage we just read, there's a couple of things that are going, out of, going on here. There's one, remember the circumstances that are happening, and then the attitude of the churches in Macedonia in those circumstances. And so let's look. So it just says that they were, the churches in Macedonia were in much trouble We're in the midst of hard times. ESV just says that they were in severe affliction, okay? Deep poverty is another adjective used in another translation, okay? And so we just get the picture that their circumstances are not great. But then we look at the attitude as they give this money, okay, for the church in Jerusalem. And so it's abundant joy. And that abundant joy overflowed into rich generosity, They gave more than they could afford. They gave beyond their means. And they were begging us earnestly for the favor of participating. So they're saying to Paul and his team that are collecting the money for, hey, please let us be a part. Even though we're being persecuted, even though we're poor, please let us be a part of what's happening in Jerusalem. That's our mother church, right? That's the church that's kind of responsible for this Christian movement that's happening all throughout Uh, the world at that point. And so uh, they gave um, of their own free will, they gave voluntarily. And so I don't know about you, that does not make sense to me. That there is a church, churches that are in deep poverty, okay, and under severe affliction, and yet they are giving and they are giving with joy, they're giving cheerfully and they're giving beyond their means. Just the formula doesn't work for me. It doesn't make sense apart from one thing. And in verse five, it just says, they even, the churches in Macedonia did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. And so let me tell you what the first thing we need to do to be a radically generous church is we have got to give 
everything we are, our heart, our soul, and our mind, and our strength to God. And as that happens, radical generosity starts to flow. And we see it in a couple other places in the scripture. Let's look where David was last week in Matthew 6, verses 31 through 33. It just says, don't worry about these things. This is in a section of scripture, Sermon on the Mount, okay, where God is just saying, hey, this whole fear and anxiety thing, that's a big deal for everybody. Let me give you some instruction about fear and anxiety. So don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. And we still don't believe it, right? We really don't believe it. If we, if we seek the kingdom of God first, we don't believe that he's gonna give us all these things. I look around and what I do is I compare I look around and say, hey, I'm doing okay, okay, because of kind of what we're giving or all that. But then I look at this passage of scripture and I'm like, guys, I don't have the moral authority to teach this because there's such a radical generosity in this scripture that I'm like, man, how do I get to that place that God wants me to get to? And so again, today, it's gonna be how do we take one small faithful step towards becoming a church that is radically generous? Romans 12, one and two also just says, hey, I urge you brothers to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. And so here's what I do. My first order, I give myself to the Lord first. I present my bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. So I hope you hear me say our first job is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your think. And so I want to look at that scripture and I wanna say, ah, oh, that really doesn't apply to me, right? Like God, you don't really understand my circumstances. It's a disease that I have called terminal uniqueness, right? That I'm like, oh God, you really don't get it, right? That's for other people, that's not for me. I don't know if any of, anybody else struggles with that. We're like, okay, God, you really don't get it. You're really not paying attention. You're really not invested. And folks, that's, that's a problem because I let myself get away with the standard that the Lord gives us for radical generosity. The passage goes on in six through eight, and it just basically says to the Corinthians, just say, hey, follow through on what you said you were gonna do. And so I got in the midst of my study, I got a little overwhelmed between the standard of the scripture and where my life was. And I'm like, hey, I've just got to go one step at a time to move this way. Our church has just got to move one step at a time to get to this place of radical generosity. So let's just look, just kind of summarize what Paul was saying about the Macedonian church. So first, uh, that you, they gave sacrificially okay, is what they did. They gave more than they could. They gave beyond their means. And let me tell you where this kind of hit home for me. It's been a really important lesson that my mom taught me years and years ago. Some of you know uh, my story that when I was 15, my dad left our family uh, and never came back again, wasn't great about paying child support. And so mom grabbed her 15-year-old son, me, and said, hey, let's take a look at this. Here's revenues and here's expenses. And so at that time, I think the revenues were about $13,000 is what she was making in her job that she had just gone out and had to get. 
okay? And the expenses were like, oh, I don't know, $15,000, $17,000. And so I'm looking at the list and I'm like, okay. And I'm looking at the expenses and I'm like, housing, clothing, da 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 tithe. Let's get rid of that. That will help us. We can make the numbers work a little. And my mom looked at me and she said, we are not cutting that out. They said, our trust is not in what's in our bank account. Our trust is in the Lord God of the universe. And that has stuck with me for the last 50 years. That you give yourselves to the Lord first and you trust him. And so giving sacrificially, God will take care of you when you give sacrificially. Second, they gave voluntarily in the midst of that season where we didn't have any money and expenses didn't uh, match revenues. Um, my mom is a huge Christmas person. So she loves to give gifts at Christmas. She's super generous, but we had no money for Christmas gifts. And three years in a row on our Christmas tree was an unmarked envelope that we had no idea how it got there with $500 in it so that my mom could buy Christmas gifts for the family. Three years in a row, until last year, I did not know who put that there. And I literally got together with some old friends and said, was that your family? And they kind of humbly said, yes, that was us, right? What a gift, God's gonna take care of us when we give in a way that's radically generous. And so they gave voluntarily. It says that they gave joyfully. That was their heart. If you keep reading in this section of scripture, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, that's what basically Paul says again. He says, the standard is not an Old Testament tithe anymore. The standard is giving what I can give with joy. What I can give joyfully, that's the standard. Again, we're giving our heart first. And then lastly, we give out of the overflow of our life, the overflow of full devotion of our life. Again, we put the Lord first as we do that. So we've got this picture. There's this discrepancy from where my heart is and this picture that the Lord has painted for us. So how do we get our hearts to that place where we live radically generous? And that's what the second part of the passage talks about. So let's read verses nine through 15. You know, the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. Here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched by your giving, matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Verse 13, of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now you, talking to the Corinthians, have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. As the scriptures say, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over and those who gathered only a little had enough. And that last verse is a reference back to Exodus 16, where God was providing manna for the people of Israel. And he said, you can only connect, collect enough manna for one day. If you collect more manna than you should in that one day, it's gonna get maggots all over it is basically what the scripture says. So it was teaching the people of God as the Old Testament law was a tutor for our hearts 
right, is what that was. It was teaching them, God's your provision. Okay, look to him for your provision. And so let me just tell you in this first verse, there's verse nine, just the ultimate motivation, okay, for living in a way that is radically generous. And so the passage in verse nine says, though he was very rich, and I'm gonna compare it with Philippians 2, five through eight is what I'm gonna do, which is a passage that talks about Jesus who was rich became poor. So though he was very rich, basically Philippians 2 says he existed in the form of God. Okay, we know that he was the invisible image of the visible God. So God had, he was the creator, the sovereign God of the universe. He was rich, he had everything, Philippians 2 tells us, okay? But for your sakes, he became poor, it says in 2 Corinthians. Philippians 2 goes on to say, but he didn't regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking, the, taking on the form of a servant. And so what God did, okay, being rich, is he came to earth and in his 100% God, 100% man, okay, came and sacrificed his life for every single one of us who knows him. That's what he did. He was rich and he became poor. And it goes on to say, and by his poverty, he could make you rich. So his poverty made us rich. That passage in Philippians 2 says, he became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so here's my point. What Jesus Christ did for you on the cross, humbling himself, made you rich. And so as a Christ follower, you are wealthy, rich. You have an abundance of resources to live this life that God has given us. And so I've got a slide here that just kind of helps you. Sometimes we forget all of this, like our riches in Christ, but it's got 80 different things on there. Okay, that you are abundantly wealthy if you are a Christ follower. And there's things on that list like the forgiveness of sins Jesus has made a way for. We've been adopted by God into his family. We've been the guarantee of eternal life. We've been given a Holy Spirit to lead and guide us. And so we just forget that we are abundantly rich in Christ. And it's the greatest act of radical generosity in the history of the world, what Jesus Christ did for us. And it is the ultimate motivation for us to live generously as well. And I would just tell you, if you're here, okay, and maybe you are asking questions about who's God, who's Jesus, or maybe there's some circumstances in your life that you're like, man, I wonder what's that, why, why that's happening. Man, that's odd. These things are kind of coincidental. It may be that God is calling you to himself. And if you're here and you've never crossed the line of faith, you've never realized that you're a sinner and you're separated from God, and there's not anything you can do as a human sinful man to put that relationship with God back in a right place. If you haven't realized that, if you haven't put your faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you, to take advantage of all of these riches that we have in Christ. I hope today's your day. 
I hope that you'll come up after the service and have a conversation and say, hey, I don't think I've done that yet, or I'm not clear on what that means. Would you journey with me to understand who God is and how I'm separated and how I can believe in what Christ did and experience the vastness of the riches that we have? The passage goes on in verses 10 through 12. It's just, again, a reminder for the Corinthians. Follow through on your good intentions and give what you can eagerly. Again, it's a heart motive according to what you have. And then we get to verses 13 through 15, and it says this. We'll read it again. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now, you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. As the scripture says, those who gathered a lot had nothing left over, and those who gathered only a little had enough. And so point number one for this, you have been given abundance for the purpose of serving others. If you have an abundance It's for the purpose of serving others. It's a little bit like water in a bucket versus water in a pipe, moving through a pipe, right? Water in a bucket becomes stagnant and stale. It becomes a host for mosquitoes, right? It causes disease, right? If if it stays stagnant for a long time, that's a little bit what happens with riches and wealth with us. If we're not, it causes us to want to control and pull things in and take care of it ourselves. Versus water in a pipeline is moving freely and it's life-giving. And you can go to any poverty-stricken country in the world and ask them, what's the number one thing you need? And they're gonna say, it's clean water. And so we need to let our abundant riches move through a pipe in order to serve others. And so if I can just stop for a second, we have got an incredible legacy of generosity here. And so you saw the piece of paper that in 1999 that we, the eight families gave some money basically to start Watermark. And as you know, Watermark's had a great impact. Okay, but when we got to 2020, let me ask you a question. Anybody been broken up with on Valentine's Day before? Okay. So on Valentine's Day of 2020, the elders at Watermark just basically said, hey, we think a healthy independent church, I mean, a healthy independent church is better than a healthy satellite. And they were like, hey, Watermark Plano, you guys are healthy. We think we ought to launch you to be an independent church. And we're like, okay, we think that sounds good. They're like, we think that's what the Lord's saying. And so we started and we spent a year getting ready to launch. And in December of 2020, before we lost in January of 21, Watermark just said, hey guys, we're gonna give you the building and we're gonna give you the 4.4 acres to the north and we're gonna give you money to renovate this place and make it look like a church and we're gonna give you reserves to cover basically just security in case things don't go well at the beginning to the tune of probably $18 million dollars. And Watermark just says, here. Now that doesn't mean we got 18 million sitting in a bucket, okay? (laughs) And we've been using it, but there's this legacy of generosity that I feel responsible to help us get there. And they just said, here, we believe in y'all. We believe in the church, go. It wasn't a loan. 
we don't have to give it back, nothing. And it was, they were just incredibly generous to us. And so I would just tell you that radical generosity is contagious. When you start giving people around you or starting to see life change happen and they're, hey, I wanna be a part of that. I wanna be a part of that life change. I feel, I love that when I used to give to the building at Watermark and I give to the building here or I give to the general fund here, it's like, oh man, I'm a part of the life change that's happening. I don't know how much of a part. I don't know how God calculates that for my rewards later on when I get to heaven one day. I don't have any idea. But in some way, I'm a part of that. And again, the amount doesn't matter. The heart is what matters. And so let's take a little bit of time and let's just get really practical here on how we can take one faithful step to be a radically generous church and a radically generous people. And so this is kind of how Trish and I were taught uh, by people that we loved and cared for were discipling us. And I was, I'm just gonna pass that on, super practical. We're gonna have a little fireside chat right here, right? We'll talk about some details and things like that. Uh, but first, we believe, we think the scripture teaches, okay, that the local church should be your top priority, okay, in your giving. I came to Christ through the local church. I've been discipled mostly by the local church. Trisha came to Christ through a parachurch organization, but it's a place where she's been discipled and she's using her gifts and that's what's happening. It's probably the place where your kids are being discipled. We think prioritizing the local church is the most important thing that we can give to. And just to kind of give you a little bit of detail, I went back and looked this week and 76% of our giving that we do goes to the local church. And so as you think about giving to City Bridge, there's four different places that you can give to, and we'll kind of move through these very quickly. But just as a reminder, uh, one is you can give to the general fund. Okay? And that's staff, that's building, and that's the ministries that you're in and you're a part of and you're making disciples through. And so when we're generous, okay, we're able to do more in terms of making disciples. So if I brought every single director of ministry, recovery, children's, student worship up here, and they had the opportunity to tell you what's going on, they would say, hey, if I had 10,000 more dollars, if I had 20,000 more dollars, let me tell you what I could do to advance God's kingdom. So we can give to the general fund that's gonna continue to expand the ministry. The other place you can give to is you can give to the building fund, that's for capital projects. And so we've got 1.9 million in the bank to finish the parking lot that's going to be about 2.3. Again, not for the purpose of just keeping the lights on, but to build a launching pad here for people to become Christians, to be discipled, and to be about people that are making disciples. We've also got a vision for doing some work in this room to make the worship experience more significant, better seats, better views, better sound. We'd love to see that happen in the next, next couple of years. You can give to the City Engagement Fund, and there's a little bit of new things we wanna tell you. So the last couple of years here at City Bridge, if you've given to the City Engagement Fund, that has all gone to the clinic. But as of January 1st uh, of 2024, okay, we're gonna pull the clinic out of the City Engagement Fund, and the money you give to City Engagement is gonna be to other local engagement as well as to international. So you heard Liberty up here today, who we love, that we believe in. And so that's gonna be some of the places that we're able to give financially to. So we're gonna expand that. And then the fourth place you can give to as part of City Bridge is just the City Bridge Health Foundation. And you can give directly to the clinic. 
which y'all have been so generous to do that in these last years. And so I just wanna take a minute, I wanna celebrate our body. Our body, as a general rule, is so generous. Financially, we get to use vehicles all the time. We get to use lake houses all the time. We get to use ranches all the time. You guys that are involved in ministry, you're paying for things that we don't have budget for, and you're just kind of like, hey, I got that. It's just happening all over the place. And 70% of our body has given in this last year to that. But one of the, one of the things that the elders are concerned about okay, is that there's 30% of our members here at City Bridge that haven't given anything in the last year. And so that's a little bit confusing for us. And it's a little bit of a challenge for all of us because there are some circumstances, okay, where somebody just can't give anything, okay? And, and we're great with some of those circumstances, but we don't think it's 30%. And so I would just challenge you that if you're here and you're in that category, okay, of a member, that we would just challenge you to get with the Lord in the next few days and just kind of say, hey, God, is that okay? Am I okay? Why am I, why am I not at least giving $10 a month to this place where I'm being discipled and I'm being shepherded and things are happening here? And so would love for you to consider that. And so just so you know, real quickly, our elders, our senior staff, we don't know. There's two people on our staff that know what people give. Elders don't know, senior staff don't know. The reason is because I don't trust myself. I don't trust that I wouldn't have a different conversation, okay, with somebody who was a giver at City Bridge. If I needed to have an admonishing conversation, I might not go all the way because of that. I just don't trust myself. So we don't know, but we've got two incredibly gifted people that are accountants and do a great job at keeping that confidential, but also being great stewards with that. So that's the first place we give to. One is to the local church. The second, Trish and I, as a family, we give to personal, our personal passions, okay, is what we do. And so we give to things that are overseas missions. We give to poverty in the U.S. is what we do. We give to um, give to legal support for conservative values. That's some of the stuff that we give to. And then we also give to places that just were really significant in our lives. Young life, athletes in action, right? FCA, whatever it is, just the places. And folks, it's the best checks we write every month. And I would just tell you, if you're letting your bank do your work for you, Okay, in terms of that just happening automatically, you need to put something in your calendar or whenever the newsletter comes or whatever that is that causes you to stop and pray for those ministries that you're given to. Just don't, our it's one of the ways in which our technology has not helped us because it doesn't allow our heart to get involved. So we give to the church first, to our personal passions, and then we love to give spontaneously. They, and I will tell you, parents, this is the best way to teach your children, okay, about being a generous, a radically generous giver, okay? And that is set aside some money every month. If you need to budget that, that's great. So that you can do things like, hey, I'm in line uh, at a grocery store, and ma'am, you've got a few things, let me just pick those up for you. Or you give a $50 tip at a place where you're eating uh, eating lunch. Maybe there's a family that you hear about, it's got kids and you give them a hundred bucks and it pays for a date night for them and it pays for babysitting, 
right? But just this spontaneous generosity just has such an incredible return on it. I'll tell you, I told you a little bit early on in our family, um, people were so generous with us. We had three kids under the age of three. I was on Young Life staff and people were so generous to us. We had the greatest shower in the history of the planet, okay? And didn't buy, didn't buy diapers for six months. But what happened is this whole just generosity being contagious, we got a chance a little later, a few years later, to take some money that we had when we had some abundance and say, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna give this away. So we used to um, dress up in really dark clothes. This is around Christmas. We'd hear of needs, okay, and we would go ding dong ditch our friends, okay, that, ha- that had a need. And so the problem was we were putting cash in an envelope and sticking it to the front door So we had to stay long enough to watch it. So we were hidden behind cars and behind in-between houses and all that kind of stuff, okay? So that we could see if they got it. We got chased a couple of times. I mean, it was, and my girls thought it was the greatest thing on the planet. And one of the times that we gave to a family at my daughter's school, that was in some really tough financial circumstances because of health issues. He came to school the next day. They had prayed previously for his need came to school the next day and said, God miraculously put money on our door last night and shared that. And my daughter's in the room and she's, (laughs) and I'm like, stop, stop. They're going to know, right? You you can't do that. But it's what happens, right? Radical generosity is contagious. It's such a good way to disciple your kids. Set aside some money to be spontaneous as we do that. And so let me, let me close with this, if I can. Folks, we've got an incredible lineage of radical generosity, right? The church at Macedonia, radically generous. Watermark, 23 years ago, radically generous. So what's our story at City Bridge of radical generosity gonna be? Is it gonna be that we're gonna plant some churches? We got a lot of friends here that live up north, right? Van Alstine, Melissa, Anna. Is that what we do? Do we go east, right? Saxe, Wiley, are we gonna plant churches up there? Are we gonna be a net exporter of leaders through our institute that we're training them to be ministers of the gospel and churches are calling us and they're saying, hey, whoever y'all don't keep on your staff, can we, can we have? Right, is there a chance that no kid, we get to a place where no kid in Collin County goes unadopted? because we've got these funds sitting aside that we can say, hey, family, you feel like God's calling you you to adopt, but you can't afford it? Hey, let us help you. We wanna help you do that. Had a great story after the first hour, a gal just came up and just said, hey man, if y'all have got people who are struggling financially to adopt, how can we help? It's awesome. And so what's our story of generosity gonna be? And last of all, how, how, can you, how can you pay back what Jesus did for us on the cross, our salvation? We, we, we just can't pay that back. And it's the ultimate motive for how we become radical givers and how we become radically generous because of what Christ did for us. Thanks for listening. We pray this message encourages you on your journey with Jesus. 
If you found this message helpful, feel free to share it with others and leave us a review. To learn about CityBridge and how you can take your next faithful step with Jesus, check us out online at citybridgechurch.org. You can also follow us on social at CityBridgeCC. See you next time.